Open your Bibles to Matthew 24, beginning with verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, even so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Have you ever wished that you lived in Bible times? Well, I've got news for you. You do. Watching the news on television, reading the newspaper, or browsing the internet today is a great deal like reading the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. These are truly biblical days, and we're seeing the fulfillment of prophecy with each news released and each news telecast. If you're looking for instruction to guide you in the time of government overreach, political corruption, moral decay, loss of creator-endowed rights, family disintegration, and intrusion into your personal life, read the Bible. Bible prophecy is being fulfilled with each passing day. In the 70s, Christians were packing their bags and getting ready to go to heaven. Hal Lindsey and Carol C. Carson had published a best-selling book titled The Late Great Planet Earth. Sinners were repenting, backsliders were heading to the mourner's bench, the charismatic movement was in full swing, and evangelists were booked up in a surge of demands by churches and cities wanting evangelistic meetings. New York Times declared the book to be the best nonfiction book of the 70s. The author, Hal Lindsey, was featured in a primetime television show that attracted 17 million viewers in 1974 through 75. Jesus was coming again. According to Hal Lindsey's calculations, the rapture would have to occur by May of 1981, and the tribulation would have to end with the second advent by May of 1988. This false prophecy was based on the parable of the fig tree in Matthew 24, 32-34, which reads this way. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. Here's the key, when you shall see all these things. Hal's calculation was based on his assumption that the budding of the fig tree was when Israel was restored as a nation in May of 1948. And a biblical generation is 40 years. So it had all had to be wrapped up by May of 1988 which meant the rapture had to occur by May of 1981. 
in order for the seven years of the tribulation to be completed by May of 1988. But that's not what Jesus said. He mentioned nothing about Israel being restored as a nation. How figured that all out by himself. The phrase, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled, is in verse 34 of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew's chapters 24 and 25 are among the most misunderstood chapters in the whole Bible. People want to relate them to the church because, after all, they are in the New Testament. However, they do not relate to the church, but to Israel. They refer to the events of the tribulation and the second advent. The phrase, when you shall see all these things, describes events that are going to occur during the tribulation. That generation, the generation of the tribulation, shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. When Hal Lindsey's prophecy failed to come to pass, he wrote another book in which he explained that he should not have started his generation clock on May of 48 with the reestablishment of Israel as a nation because Israel did not get Jerusalem in that deal. So he restarted his generation clock with a six-day war and the occupation of Jerusalem in 1967. Uh-oh. That generation ended 40 years later in the year 2007. Perhaps now a book is in the works starting the generation clock with President Trump recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and moving our embassy there on December 6, 2017. So perhaps we should reset the generation clock, set the second advent to occur by December 6, 2057, and therefore the rapture must occur by December 6, 2050. Stop it. The Bible must be interpreted by the Bible. Analyzing what it says, interpreting it in the context of which it is said, and harmonizing it with every other passage in the Bible. We must interpret the Bible by the Bible. Context. How? Context. What is the context for the statement, This generation shall not pass away until all things be fulfilled. Jesus established the starting of the generation clock mentioned in Matthew chapter 24. This chapter contains a lengthy discourse by Jesus in his response to the questioning of the disciples concerning the time of his coming and the end of the world. This generation shall not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. So this generation is a reference to the generation that is living during the events of the tribulation. Matthew 24 needs to be read. As part of our induction, introduction to this series, then let's take a brief look at the 24th chapter of Matthew. Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and the disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus saith unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. 
And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him that is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of the house. Neither let him that is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe to them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Therefore, if a man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise many false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And wheresoever the carcass is, there shall the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. 
Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. There shall be two in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour our Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known at what time the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, will find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and he shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with a hypocrite. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We are not in the tribulation, because the church has not yet been removed, and is the restrainer that continues to restrain. Remember what Paul said in Second Thessalonians 2, 1 through 5. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask that you not be soon shaken in mind, neither troubled by, de- by neither spirit nor by word, or by letter as from us, that the day of Christ is come. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So what does the Bible say about what's going on today? Well, in order to understand what's going on in our world today, it's necessary to understand what is known about the future. And in order to understand what is known about the future, then we must understand what God has revealed about the future. In order to understand what God has revealed about the future, then we must understand Bible prophecy. Now, I said Bible prophecy, not the garbage being peddled by self-proclaimed modern-day prophets or the phony alloy prophecy which is being peddled today. You should see the video that I got this week.
The Bible is the only reliable authority for understanding the future. That must be the guide we study. Modern day prophets are self-appointed because Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10, that when we receive the complete prophecy, then the gift of prophecy would cease. He says, love never faileth, but there, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part is done away. We receive the complete prophecy with the closing of the book of Revelation. Revelation 22 verses 18 and 19 says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Those who claim to be prophets today are false prophets and a simple formula for proving that is answering the question. Have they prophesied anything that did not occur exactly how they prophesied. Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning at verse 20, identifies the test of a prophet. But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord hath not spoken? When a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the thing follow not, nor come to pass, that is the thing that the Lord hath not spoken. But when the prophet hath spoken it presumptuously, then shalt thou not be afraid of him. Alloy prophecy is a term I use to identify the mixture of Bible prophecy with self-opinion or faulty interpretation. Alloy is formed by mixing two or more materials to form a new substance. Tin and brass are mixed together to form bronze. Alloy prophecy is the result of mixing Bible prophecy with other sources of information, such as extra-biblical writings or one's own opinion. Paul tells us that no prophecy is a private interpretation. Knowing this, Peter writes, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Peter tells us no prophecy is a private interpretation. Interpretation can be a pitfall because there are various approaches to the reading and the understanding of the Bible. On the one hand, there are those who take a literal approach to understand the Word. On the other hand, there are those who take a metaphorical and allegorical approach to understanding the Word. Metaphorical and allegorical means that the words are not to be understood with their ordinary meaning, 
but are used to describe something by means of an image or a symbol. In between these two approaches, there are innumerable positions concerning the degree of literalness or the degree of allegory or metaphor. In the study of Bible prophecy, there are two periods of time which generate a great deal of debate as to how and when they occur. The tribulation and the millennium. This debate as to how and when these two events take place is directly related to one's approach to interpreting the Bible. The tribulation is the term used to describe a period of time spoken of by Old Testament prophets and in the book of Revelation during which God brings judgment upon the earth. The millennium is the one thousand year period of time in which the curse is removed from the earth and Christ sits upon the throne of David in Jerusalem. Some Bible students view them as future. Some view them as historical. Still others view them as pure allegory. We'll approach our reading of the Bible with the same bias and previously formulated ideas And those ideas help shape our understanding of what God has revealed. The video I mentioned I received this week was a collage of scripture passages and interpretations with no seam of continuity with regard to time or context uh, with the interpretation that America is Babylon, the great whore, the Statue of Liberty is the fertility goddess, And because America is going to be destroyed, you better buy this author's survival book for only $37. Well, there are three basic views that we need to understand. Three basic views concerning the millennial reign of Christ. We have the premillennial view, which believes that Christ will turn before the millennial. We have the post-millennialist view that believe that Christ will return after the millennial kingdom. In other words, the premillennialists believe that Christ will come and establish then the perfect environment. The postmillennialists believe that the earth will evolve to a perfect environment and then Christ will come. And then the third view is the amillennialist view. It's all symbolic in their understanding. There's no literal thousand-year period. Now, there are also three basic views concerning the tribulation. We have the post-tribs who believe that the church-age believers go through the entire tribulational period of seven years. They hold this position by interpreting the Bible allegorically and metaphorically. Mid-tribs believe the church-age believers are taken out in the middle of the tribulation. They, they hold that the church will go through the first three and a half years, and then they are taken out before the final three and a half years. They hold that position because of a failure to harmonize Scripture. Pre-tribs believe that the church-age believers are taken out before the tribulation, and we hold this position by taking a literal grammatical approach to Scripture. 
The approach that we're going to be using in this series will be a literal grammatical approach. The New Testament was written in the most exact language that has ever been developed, Koine Greek. In my years of study of the book, I have concluded that every word and the form of that word is part of the divine inspiration. And if we're careful in our exegesis, we can know exactly what God has revealed to us. And speaking of the law, Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. The jot and the tittle refer to Hebrew writing. Jot is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, actually the letter Yod, and it's not much bigger than our apostrophe. It looks about like our apostrophe. A tittle is a little horn at the end of a letter, rather like a serif or a capital letter in the English alphabet. This extension is called a tittle. An example can be seen in the comparison between the Hebrew letters resh and dalit. The resh is made up of one smooth stroke. The dalit, on the other hand, is made up of two strokes of the pen. The letters are similar to each other in appearance, but the distinguishing mark of the dalit is a little extension of the roof of the letter. Since Jesus viewed the small strokes of the pen as part of the law, it's reasonable then to conclude that the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the law. He also inspired the writers of the whole of Scripture in grammar and word choice so we might know exactly what God wants us to know. That along with the development of Koine Greek, the most exact language ever developed, the original language of the New Testament gives us absolute confidence in our determination to understand God's plan. Therefore, we must approach our study and understanding of the Scriptures and especially the prophecies, the prophecies with a thorough exegetical process. If one takes a literal or grammatical approach to Scripture, he then accepts a premillennial and a pre-tribulational understanding of how these events are going to play out. You see, there are three essentials to accurate biblical interpretation, and they can be established by answering three questions. What does the text say? What is the context in which it is said? And how does that text harmonize with every other passage in the Word of God? God is the only one who knows the future. And therefore, He's the only source for accurate information with regard to these events that are going to come. All that God has revealed to us concerning the future is that which is contained in the Bible. The Bible is God's revelation to humanity identifying who He is, who we are, and why we're here. It's through the study of the Bible that we're able to understand where we are today in the plan of God and where he, what He is going to do and what we then should be doing in response.
Paul told Timothy, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The statement, rightly dividing the word of truth, is key. Understanding the division of time into various dispensational ages is the key to understanding what God has revealed to us about the future. Here briefly is the outline that God established for time. The age of innocence, documented in Genesis 1.28 through Genesis 3.6, from the creation to the fall of man. The age of conscience, beginning in Genesis 3.7 and going through Genesis 8.14, from the fall of man in the garden to the flood. The age of civil governments, beginning in Genesis 8.15 and going through Genesis 11.32, records the, uh, the historical prophetic events from the flood to, uh, to Abraham. The age of promise began then with the calling of God out of Ur of the Chaldees and God's appointment to him. It begins in Genesis 9.1 and goes through Exodus 18, verse 27. It's that period from Abraham to the giving of the law. The age of Israel is documented beginning in Exodus 19, chapter 1, through Acts, yes, through the Old Testament, from Exodus 19, 1, and through the four gospel accounts, and the first chapter of the book of Acts from the giving of the law till the day of Pentecost in 30 A.D. is the age of Israel. The age of the church begins in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, on the day of Pentecost in 30 A.D., and continues through Revelation chapter 5, verse 14, in the rapture of the church. That's going to be followed then by the completion of the age of Israel, from the rapture of the church to the second advent of Christ. And then we have the final age, the age of Christ, which begins at the second advent and continues for a thousand years to the end of time, the destruction of this earth and these heavens and a new heaven and a new earth for eternity. So according to God's revealed timetable, we're in the church age, and he's also provided a timetable for the various periods during this age of the church by identifying a church in John's day with characteristics that identify seven periods of the church age. He chose seven churches to represent this to the church that we might be able to understand his prophetic presentation of what would become the history of the church. The church at Ephesus represents the church from Pentecost in 30 A.D. with the beginning of the church until 160 A.D. It was a honeymoon period that wore off, and the word Ephesus means desired one, but the accusation is they had lost the fervency of their love. The church at Smyrna represents a period of time from 160 A.D. to 312 A.D. That would be from Revelation 2 
uh, verse 8 through verse 11, and it represents the church under persecution. The word Smyrna is the name of a resin that was placed into vats and crushed to extract the costly fragrance of myrrh. The oil that came out was the, the very desirable uh, fragrance of myrrh. One of the gifts that was taken to the Christ child by uh, the Magi, you may remember. Well, the church from 160 A.D. to 312 A.D. was placed in the vat and crushed by the Roman government under ten Roman emperors that brought great persecution upon the church. But out of that persecution came that honeymoon love, came that response and uh, dedication to God. The third letter was written to the church of Pergamos. That represents the church from 312 A.D. to 600 A.D., from Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. The word Pergamos means illicit marriage. The church is to be the bride of Christ. But Constantine, unlike the ten emperors before him, refused to persecute the church. He did a more dastardly thing by marrying the church to the Roman government. It was an illicit marriage. The church is to be the bride of Christ. But in that marriage of the church to the Roman government, there was great then perversion of the doctrines and contamination of the, of the sancti, sanctity of the Holy Scriptures. The church at Thyatira, and the word Thyatira means continual sacrifice, it represents the church from 600 A.D., to 1517 and uh, identifies uh, then a, a period of perversion, as we mentioned, of the gospel uh, in which d- grace was no longer deemed to be sufficient and uh, uh, various systems of penance uh, and works were introduced at that time. The word The church at Sardis represents the church from about 1517 till around 1750. It's identified in Revelation chapter 3, 1 through 6. And the word Sardis means a called out remnant. It identifies the Reformation when there was a, a departure from the established church. Uh, led by a desire to understand the Word and apply the Word uh, in the manner in which it was designed and to restore the doctrine of grace and the doctrine of faith um, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone was the theme. And uh, that period of time began in 1517 with Martin Luther's nailing his 99 Thesis to the door of the cathedral in uh, Wittenberg, Germany, and starting the Reformation, a called-out remnant came out. The church at Philadelphia represents the church then from about 1750 till about 1950. The word Philadelphia is made up of two words, philos and adelphos, love and brotherly love, 
identifying a time of great awakenings, uh, not just in one place, but across the globe, of missionary enterprise, world evangelism uh, that occurred from 1750 to around 1950. And it's identified in its characteristics or identified by the letter to the Church of Philadelphia. The Laodicean Church is the last period of church history revealed in the Revelation account. It began about 1950 with the World Council of Churches being formed and adopting the Human Manifesto as the guide uh, and mission statement of the church. Uh, The Human Manifesto. The word laos means people and the word dosia means government. It's a time when the focus was taken off of Christ as the head of the church and man and humanity became the focus And uh, it's during this period of church history that the rapture will occur. Now, according to God's timetable then, we're in the church age and we're in the Laodicean period of the church age. So we must view what's happening in our world today through the lens of Bible prophecy related to the Laodicean phase of the church age. The Laodicean period of the church age will end with the rapture of the church. That will usher in the tribulation of Revelation chapter 6 through 19. There's nothing recorded in the Bible that has been prophesied which must yet be fulfilled before the rapture is to occur. It could occur at any moment. What we're seeing in the world today is the stage being prepared for the completion of the age of Israel. The tribulational events which are prophesied in Revelation chapter 6 through 19. The disturbing things that are happening around us today are stage props for the final act before the second advent of Christ in which he will remove the curse from the earth establish a perfect environment, set up a perfect government with himself on the throne of David, administer perfect justice for a period of 1,000 years, which is a graphic display showing man's problem is not his environment, but is his nature. So the reason of grace and the new birth will be magnified. That will usher in the great white throne judgment and a new heaven, and a new earth, and time will be no more. As believers of the Laodicean period of the church age, we are tasked with the final preparations before the completion of the age of Israel, the tribulation. God's working His plan and preparing the world for that dramatic seven-year period that's coming. We have been appointed as his representatives to let the world know what God's plan is. We've been gifted by the Holy Spirit as believers in the church age in order that we'll be able to do what he's assigned us to do to get the stage ready for his return. God has appointed administrators then in various periods of time, beginning with Adam and Eve in the age of innocence and involving us in the church age, before he allows Israel to complete their final seven years of their administration 
during the tribulation before he returns to establish his millennial kingdom. And so we will attempt to understand what's going on in our world today based on what God has revealed in his word. The purpose of our study is to understand then current events in the light of Bible prophecy. Understanding will provide us both peace and direction. This understanding will explain what's happening, why it's happening, and more important, what our role is to be in the various circumstances that are occurring. But of course, it all begins at salvation. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, With the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God bless.